Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning, everybody. My name is Austin Parr, and I am hosting for Terry Wickstrom Outdoors this week while he's actually out in Hawaii on a nice vacation. Hopefully, he's enjoying himself and catching a few fish as well. But I'm going to cover all kinds of different topics for everybody today. We're going to go through ice fishing and waterfowl hunting while we're done the split right now. We've got a couple of great guests from Parks and Wildlife as well. And even we're going to talk about some fly fishing as we get toward the tail end of the show. So we're going to cover everything for everybody today. But once again, my name is Austin Parr, and I am co-owner of Discount Fishing Tackle on South Santa Fe Drive. This time of year, we are absolutely stacked up on ice fishing, and that's what we're going to be talking about first. So we've got a great selection uh, down there at the store, and we're starting to see some ice uh, around the state right now. And, and everybody I know is itching to, to get out there and do that as, as of late, and we're going to go through all of that. So on the front range, we're certainly a little ways off at the moment. Uh, not going to be too good, uh, even though we did have a little bit of ice form over the last week or so with that last cold snap. A lot of the, the the energy is definitely out of those lakes at the moment. So once we can get a good cold snap coming up here, typically it's going to be around Christmas when those lakes freeze, but we're right on the cusp at the moment. So everybody be patient with that. But we will be certainly seeing some some good fishing, I'm hoping, and, and hopefully we can get some good ice uh, around the front range. But up in the mountains, everybody is really starting to, to get after it. So we have Bernie Keefe on a little bit later in the, in the show today, uh, and he's going to talk about Middle Park but to start with, down in South Park, we've been seeing ice all over the place down there. And, and Terriol is, to, we'll start there. It's kind of been an on again, off again kind of ice early in the season. Uh, it froze even just before November, which is really, really rare for Colorado. And, and it was a little bit unsafe for a while. And, and with the, some of the recent cold snaps, we're finally starting to get some good hard water down there. And, and I will be talking about, obviously, different inches of, of ice thickness, but it, it really goes to be said once again that, that no matter what you're talking about as far as ice safety, particularly early and late in the season, um, you have to be very safe out there. You have to be very cautious. Ice fishing can certainly be one of the most dangerous times of the year, and, and don't take it for granted. Even though someone may be out there on the ice, uh, it definitely is not going to be uh, always uh, the safest deal at all out there. So definitely check yourself with a spud bar and, and work your way out. But back to Terry all again. We're seeing in the neighborhood of four to six inches of ice out there, depending upon where you're fishing. Uh, and the fish have really been biting quite well. If you're fishing more on the western side of the lake, a lot of the pike will be along the, the weed lines and anglers utilizing some water dogs, which we do have in stock down at Discount Fishing Tackle, um, as well as uh, frozen suckers that you thaw out underneath tip-ups. All have been working well. And if you're looking to target those pike, I like to fish up a little bit higher in the water column even in the shallower water. So rather than placing that water dog right near the bottom, I like to get it a little bit more middle of the water column uh, along a weed line. But a lot of the trout have been certainly in some of the same areas and moving slightly east, getting out toward that 12 to 14 foot of water range has been better as you get toward the later part of the day. Early morning, they've been quite shallow fishing along the, the weed lines. And you're not going to catch very many large fish at Terriol, but there's certainly uh, a good number of fish uh, to be had out there. And if you're looking to target some of those trout, rat finkies and small tungsten jigs from Kenders Outdoors have been really productive, uh, sitting more on a dead stick. And then I like to, to either jig a spoon if I'm not seeing a lot of fish to, to draw fish into the area. Something like a slender spoon or a cast master can be really effective. 
But if you're seeing a lot of fish, I'll still be fishing something a little bit more active, like a ratso or a bro's bloodworm from Northland Fishing Tackle, a little bit more of a, a soft plastic tail to be moving around. And then, like I said, I'll have that uh, that rat finky sitting on the dead stick as long as I'm not fishing pike. Keep in mind that if you're fishing a tip-up for pike, that does count as a second rod. And you do need a second rod stamp to fish with one of those tip-ups if you're utilizing a, another rod that you're jigging. So it's still in South Park. Antero certainly has been producing some of the bigger fish on the season. Uh, Antero, once again, was was unsafe for a little while, and we're finally starting to see some ice that's that's reasonable to walk out on. We're in the four-inch type range. Uh, most areas are generally safe, and it's been, hit, been, been being hit pretty hard. But earlier this season, even just about two weeks ago, there were a couple of anglers that, uh, that fell through up there. So hopefully with this last cold snap, we're going to be good and solid up there. But early morning, as usual, is pretty key in Antero. And in that early morning time frame, we've been seeing a lot of good action going on up there. So there's been some big fish coming in, but also a lot of fish in that 15 to 17-inch range as far as numbers are concerned. Uh, guys have been having great success, like I said, on the Rat Finky, same kind of deal that we're talking about for our Terriol. But then additionally, moving towards some smaller jigs this time of year, uh, a lot of guys are throwing some big stuff, so you can sometimes can separate yourself out on some smaller jigs like a VMC larvae jig or even a Northland mayfly jig, all of which can be really effective. And I typically like to tip those with a waxworm or a mealworm up there. And then the one other kind of interesting thing about uh, Antero as of late is we're starting to see quite a few other species that Parks and Wildlife has stocked into there. So splake have been a general occurrence on most days up there, even some brook trout and then some nice browns we've also been seeing as well. So you may find yourself catching uh, a few of all of those. Still down in South Park, 11 Mile is definitely uh, starting to get capped more on the western and northern side rather than the eastern side. Certainly it's somewhat variable depending upon where you go, but anglers have been being reporting uh, great numbers uh, early in the day. And, and this time of year really is the time to take advantage if you want to not necessarily catch just a few large fish, but catch a lot of fish with some big ones mixed in. So this even 70 and 80 fish days have been being reported up there as of late. And uh, the spoons early in the morning have been really effective. And then smaller gulp minnows as well also. Uh, I like a lot up there. A two and a half inch rainbow smelt colored gulp minnow can be a really effective choice on like a 16th ounce jig head. I'll be jigging that more uh, uh, aggressively. And then like I said, sitting that dead stick uh, beside me. The pike also have been really good up there. Moving towards some of the water dogs and some of, like I said, those frozen suckers. And even the other thing I like a lot up there uh, are taking a large shiner minnow and killing it and putting it under a uh, under a tip up as well. So keep in mind when you're talking about live bait, you know, your live bait fish, you cannot fish any of those live bait fish on the western slope or anywhere above 7,000 feet in elevation. So that basically encompasses the entire mountain area. So certainly keep that in mind. Moving north a bit, uh, we'll skip Middle Park for now as we'll talk to Bernie Keefe about that here in the middle of the show. But as we move up toward North Park, we're finally starting to see some ice in and around uh, the Walden area. So Lake John, as of December 5th, was capped and had about four inches of ice. Moving toward the middle of the lake did not have as much ice. The shorelines definitely have the, the better ice. And although there are a few snow drifts around, uh, the, the lake is mostly accessible all the way around uh, as far as the roadways are concerned. And this time of year is one of my absolute favorite times of year to fish Lake John. Man, the, the action is just absolutely spectacular. And getting out and finding a, a weed line and fishing an aggressive bait paired up with that dead stick once again 
where you're going to be utilizing a, a gulp minnow up there. There's a, a solid population of, of small stickleback minnows in that lake, and the gulp minnows up there work, in my opinion, almost better than anywhere else as far as the ice is concerned. And then uh, on, on your dead stick, if you can even use one right now, I mean, the, de- the action a lot of times is so good that you don't even need the dead stick up there. But using that, that smaller dead stick, something with a fairly stout hook. You know, those, those rat finkies I like a lot, but sometimes have a hook that can bend out just a touch. So if you want something a little bit better, moving toward like a, v, a VMC larvae jig has a better hook, as well as some of the, the trout traps tube jigs are a great choice as well. Those are all poured on gamakatsu hooks and will not open up. So those are going to be something that is a, a much more solid choice uh, when you're maybe dealing with a, a true trophy up there. Now, up toward the, the Delaney Butte range, that area, although was capped early and, and a lot of the fish were, were coming out and they were really nice big fish up there, it's, oh, it's more open at the moment. So when we're dealing with North Delaney, we're sitting at about 25% open. South is about half open. East Delaney is capped, but toward the southern side has uh, more of a, a thin ice cap on it. It's only about two and two and a half inches down there. Uh, so maybe staying off the Delaney's for a little bit longer here, seeing that there's a, a few warmer temperatures on the horizon, at least for today. Uh, you know, get, getting past this storm tomorrow may definitely help a little bit. They're supposed to get some more snow and cold temperatures up there, so that should hopefully finally solidify north and south Delaney. And those lakes, once they do cap, can be some of the best lakes to fish early in the season. A lot of times the crowds aren't terrible, and you also have huge fish opportunities, particularly in North Delaney. North is is the broodstock lake for the state to harvest brown trout eggs, and there's some huge browns in there as well as big cut bows and rainbows. So certainly there's going to be lots of other options opening up right now. And as I mentioned, uh, I am co-owner of Discount Fishing Tackle down on South Santa Fe Drive. Uh, we are at 2645 South Santa Fe Drive and have a fantastic ice selection as well as all other things Colorado fishing. But if anyone's ever looking for finding good ice conditions or wondering what's fishing well or what to use, feel free to give us a call at 303-698-2550 or stop in the shop. We're absolutely happy to help you out on any point like that. Uh, We can get you set up and and send you toward the right area, get you the equipment to stay safe, and and get you the equipment to really get out there and, and catch some fish with great regional knowledge. Now, additionally, the International Sportsman's Expo is coming up. Uh, the second week of January, and we will be giving some tickets out a little bit later in the show, so certainly stay tuned for that. But down at the Sportsman's Expo, I have several different presentations, as well as an expert corner, which I will actually be sitting down and talking one-on-one with you guys coming down, and, and uh, we're, my topic this year is, is Colorado ice fishing through the seasons. So we can talk about everything from the early season ice all the way through the late season metro ice and even lake trout fishing. And when we're dealing with that fantastic uh, lake trout fishing and, and all this ice fishing, there's so many different techniques and so much as far as the equipment options are concerned. And I'm going to have everything down there at the booth at the Sportsman's Expo uh, where we're going to be at the export corner. It's going to be right by the demo tank, which will also be doing presentations at the same time. But the export corner, it was new last year. And it allows uh, the different presenters to really talk on a one-on-one basis. You guys can bring your questions, and I'll have all the different equipment to show you and talk about everything as far as ice fishing through the season. So once again, that is at the International Sportsman's Expo coming up in January. So uh, stay tuned, though. Like I said, we're going to have some tickets available. And when we come back, 
We're going to be talking with Jim Guthrie, who is the grants administrator for Colorado Parks and Wildlife, and we're going to be discussing some new shooting ranges that are going to be opening up over the next little bit here, as well as uh, the Fishing is Fun project, which we're, we'll learn about, but it opens up all kinds of new access for us to get out and fish in areas all the way across the state. So we'll look forward to that. But once again, you are listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. My name is Austin Parr with Discount Fishing Tackle, hosting for Terry this week while he is out in Hawaii. Right now, we're going to go right to the phones. And Jim Guthrie, who is the Grants Administrator for Colorado Parks and Wildlife, is calling in. Jim, how are you today? Good. How about yourself? Doing excellent. So we spoke yesterday about some of these fantastic projects that you are kind of overseeing to a degree. Uh, why don't we start off with some of the shooting range grants and, and explain to the folks what exactly you guys are doing as, as CPW is concerned when it comes to opening up some of this new access uh, for Colorado hunters and anglers. Um, we've got a program. We've had it about 10 years or so. Um, uh, to provide grants to it can be communities counties park and rec departments and private gun clubs um for shooting range either you know build a new range expand one or you know repair or upgrade an existing uh range uh it's got about seven hundred thousand in it now seven hundred thousand dollars annually um so it's a it's one of the biggest in the country uh so you know we've been making investments over the last couple of years uh, in ranges. For this year, uh, there were three that uh, I guess I wanted to highlight um, in the Denver metro area, and then there are a couple others that are were funded uh, previously, and collectively it's pretty interesting. But the three that were done this year were, are uh, their Boulder Rifle Club has some property next to theirs that they want to develop and turn into a public range. They're going through the permitting process with Boulder County uh, right now, uh, but that'll be a, a really a nice size range and a great addition. And on all these, it's really difficult to cite um, a, a new or expanded rifle range within the, you know, anything close to the Denver metro area. Sure. So an opportunity like this coming along is, is you, you want to jump all over it. It's it's not not going to last. Um, the second one is uh, Clear Creek County is looking at expanding or putting in a new range um, on the old rodeo grounds. You can see it to the left as you uh, drive up 70 heading west. Um, that one is just getting started on the permitting and design. How are they going to lay it out? How many lanes can they put in it? And then the third one uh, we funded this year is with uh, Pike and uh, San Isabel National Forest, so a little bit south and west of Denver. And they're looking at seven different sites on the forest there. I don't know how many they'll end up actually developing, um, you know, let's say three or four, um, on Forest Service lands. There'll be organized ranges. Um, so those are the three that we funded this year. Then there's another range uh, called Devil's Nose. It's if you're going from Idaho Springs up towards um, Mount Evans at Echo Lake, you make a left about a mile, and that's a range that they're. It was always an informal one, and now they're going to, um, you know, upgrade it, put in a hundred-yard range plus some others, and um, uh, so that's that's should be coming online, I, I think, next year. 
And then the last one is uh, Fort Lupton has been working for a number of years to try to find a site. I think they're pretty close. Um, and they're looking at a, at a big range up there as well. So Fantastic. collectively, you kind of start on the north with Fort Lupton, Boulder, Clear Creek County, and then and Devil's Nose, and then down around the San, um, Pike San Isabel Forest. It's, there's a lot over the next, I would say, five years that'll uh, be open, a lot of opportunities there. I, I did a rough count and, you know, estimate, and it looks like, you know, let's say 85 to 90 uh, firing lines um, uh, among all those, which is a pretty good-sized range, you know, if it were all in one site, but I think oh, yeah. it's actually nice that it's spread out. Absolutely, and it's fantastic that some different opportunities like this are, are being opened up to, to people all, all across the state and along the front range. Right. So now shifting a little bit here, uh, kind of moving to the, our second topic, uh, maybe opening up some, some new access to, to fishermen. Why don't you talk about some of the, the Fishing is Fun grant awards and some of these different projects that uh, you guys are working on with that? Um, the Fishing is Fun program has been around, I think, about 30 years now. Um, and it's similar to the shooting range. We provide grants to, in this case, a lot of towns and cities and also um, like uh angling club organizations or chapters like uh, West Denver TU. And um, so it can be working on ponds, an existing pond, providing public access. It can be sometimes it's creating a whole new pond like we did up in Hudson a couple years ago. Um, It can be in-stream habitat work. Um, So a whole variety um, for this year, um, in the kind of Denver metro area, broadly defined. Um, We're doing some work with Boulder County uh, on Lagerman Reservoir, and that's putting in some aerators. It doesn't sound like a lot, but it just keeps that fishery going at really a pretty inexpensive price. Um, We're doing some work at uh, Boyd and uh, Lawn Hagler Reservoirs, um, and you won't notice that because it's some habitat structures we're putting in. So unless you happen to be out there and see them doing it, you wouldn't necessarily notice it, but but it will make a big difference. Big vital to the fishery, absolutely. Right. Um, And there's one pretty neat project, well, really neat project, uh, on the Swan River, um, what is that, between uh, Frisco and Breckenridge. And it's um, just... the the Swan River was completely ruined by mining in the early 1900s, uh, gold mining and dredging on the in the valley. And they're restoring this river. They're moving out these piles of rubble that are you have to see it to believe it. It's like 20 feet tall in a lot of places. And they're moving that out and restoring a river. And ultimately, it'll open up about 17 miles of of fishing up there Fantastic. so that's a, that's a pretty spectacular project absolutely and you know that a lot of that's going to be open to the public or all of that should be open to the public as well correct right excellent yep. well there's all kinds of other things on here i mean certainly we don't have an, enough time to to discuss all of them but everything from you know like you mentioned the the, the aerator systems which can certainly help on low water or hot summers uh various right. fishing piers that potentially are extended or or added different uh, habitat improvements, and then even areas where you're improving boat ramp and, and stream flow access for people that are rafting and, and fishing and doing everything like that. Right. 
Absolutely. Well, we certainly do appreciate uh, everything that you guys are doing with that. And, and a lot of this stuff kind of goes under the radar a little bit, unless you're specifically going and, and fishing in some of these areas. Um, but uh, but it, it's fantastic. And, and hopefully we can see some of these shooting ranges open up and, and see some of these, uh, these projects that are really going to be doing well for these different fisheries and, and for public access. Yep. Absolutely. No, it's, uh, I think they're great programs. They really do a, a lot of good. I'm biased, but it's, <laughs> I think they're pretty neat projects. Absolutely. Well, Jim, we certainly appreciate you coming on this morning, and we appreciate everything that you do. All right. Thanks for having me. Thank you. So when we come back, we are going to be discussing uh, the reintroduction of the links into Colorado, which is going to be really quite an interesting topic to discuss. Um, but right now, you're listening to Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. My name is Austin Parr, and I'm with Discount Fishing Tackle, hosting for Terry this week. We are going to go right to the phones now and talk with Eric Odell, who is the Species Conservation Coordinator for Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Eric, how are you this morning? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. We certainly appreciate you calling. And and we're going to kind of go over an interesting topic that uh, might not get discussed a whole lot, but the the link links reintroduction program why don't you kind of go over some of the uh the the bullet points for what Colorado Parks and Wildlife is doing on a, a species that's not necessarily a game species yeah this is this is a species that we've been working on for the last 20 years and, and that's why we've, we've kind of brought some attention to it just recently is that you know 1999 20 years ago we began a, a reintroduction program to try to get lynx Canada lynx reestablished in the state it's a species that was native to the state and then for a variety of reasons was, was no longer found here and we felt it important to to try to get a population reestablished. Absolutely and and now kind of go over uh, you know some of the different things that, that, that Colorado Parks and Wildlife has done or, or is currently doing to, to help the species. Yeah so so in order to, to do the reintroduction for a period of about six, six seven years from 1999 to 2006, 2007 we reintroduced 218 animals and, and we trapped those animals or those animals were trapped up in Canada and Alaska. We worked with some of the trappers up there who would have been trapping them otherwise for their pelts and or, you know other, other reasons for, for doing their fur trapping up there. Worked with them to actually transport instead of pelts, transport live animals. And, and we got them down here, went through all the quarantine processes, made sure they're disease free and, and all of that. And then uh, put them where we felt there was good lynx habitat that remained down in the San Juans, down the southwestern part of the state. And, you know, we started off slow, you know, 10, 20, 30 animals at a, at a per year and um, kind of just watched how things went. And, and initially we didn't have really great success. There was a lot of animals were dying. They were not doing really well. And so we changed some of the protocols as to what it took to, to get an animal ready to go out into the wild. And, once we figured that out, we had some great success. It was a few years after we began the program, and in 2003 was the first year that we documented some reproduction in the wild, which was a huge sign of, of leaning towards success. You know, oh, yeah. If, if you can't have the animals reproducing in the wild, then it's going to be hard to establish a population. Once we had that and, and kind of documented several generations of, of lynx reproducing in the wild, and, and in 2010, we called the program a success. We said, you know, the the animals are doing well on their own. They don't need any more management. And so we um, kind of tapered off some of the real high-intensity management work that we were doing. All the animals that we reintroduced at first had radio collars or satellite collars on them so we could 
follow each individual and, and see where they were going and how they were doing. That's an expensive endeavor to take on, so we we stopped doing that. And the way we're monitoring our populations now is is using some trail cameras and, and snow tracking in the wintertime. All of our work now is in the wintertime. We put these cameras out in the fall and pick them up in the spring and use those to, to document and, and use some statistical models to assess how the population's doing, seeing if it's stable, if it's increasing, or if it's it's decreasing. And so far, all of our results are are looking very, very good. We're, we're at least have a, a stable population down in, in the San Juans. Absolutely. Southwest. So now you, you mentioned down in the San Juans, but are, are, is, do you guys feel that these links are, are migrating to anywhere else in the state, uh, north at all? Yeah, there, there's, there is some movement for sure. And, and we don't have a, a real intensive monitoring program anywhere else other than the San Juans, but we get lots of reports in, uh, in the Winter Park area and the Copper Mountain Vail Pass area. We see get people seeing links and reporting those to us on our website. And um, I don't know if we've got real robust populations up in, in those areas, but there's certainly good habitat and, and certainly the potential for, for links to establish there as their uh, as their habitat gets saturated down in the south. So now as uh, a hunter, you know, I'm not super, uh, I don't really know the difference between a lynx and maybe a bobcat, whether you're a hunter or, or you're a wildlife viewer, you maybe want to talk to some of these folks about uh, some of the differences there and maybe be able to identify one versus the other. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they are very similar in appearance, but there are some important differences too. The lynx are a bit larger than bobcat and, and primarily one, one of the big fundamental ways that we can tell a difference almost right away when I get a report is, where it came from you know if it's a lower elevation front range kind of habitats it's most likely a bobcat sure in the higher elevation 8,000 feet and above in the spruce fir forest that's where we'll see links and there are bobcat up in that area too so there is some some areas where they're overlapping but the, the links are are bigger their feet are just massive when they and they're really built for the environment that they they live in and it allows them to to walk on real deep fluffy snow and so uh, once you've once you've seen a, a lynx foot, you, you really can see, use that as a distinguishing characteristic. And, you know, one of the one of the real interesting things that I tell people about is that the tails on the bobcat, the bottom side of the tail is white, whereas the, the lynx tail is is black all the way around. It almost looks as though it's been dipped in a bottle of ink or something like that. Of course, that ha- isn't what it's happened, but sure. but that's a one of the ways to to tell Perfect. the two well. species apart. Certainly is a, a really interesting and, and fascinating deal that you guys have done, and it just goes to show that Colorado Parks and Wildlife, although it is funded primarily by hunters and anglers, certainly goes and use, utilizes those funds to help round out the environment uh, with some of these other species as well. Yeah, we, we some sportsmen's money went into this, but also a whole variety of other sources of funds too, some private foundations, uh, some other private industry has has contributed to it as well. So it's it, uh, Sportsman's Dollar certainly funds some of it, but not not the all of it. Oh, fantastic! Well, you guys are doing a great job with that. Um, if someone wants to uh, learn about any more of these these projects or this particular project in general, is there any places that they can go on Parks and Wildlife's website in order to obtain that information? For sure, yeah, we've we've maintained a really good links website. It's uh, if you just go onto our website and search for links or links research, you'll you'll get to that page, and there's all of our annual reports and photos and all different kinds of stories about what we've learned over the last 20 years. Excellent. Well, Eric, I certainly appreciate you coming on and and we appreciate what you guys are doing. Well, thanks for the interest. Absolutely. Thank you. So when we come back, we're going to be talking with Brad Peterson of Brad Peterson Outdoors. Now, Brad is a, a waterfowl guide as well as guides fishing along the front range and on the Eastern Plains. 
So we're going to get the uh, the report on what he's seeing with that uh, and what we're going to be seeing for the second waterfowl split. And stay tuned once again. As I mentioned, we're going to be giving away some tickets here in this next segment to the International Sportsman's Expo, which runs January 9th through the 12th. You are listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. My name is Austin Parr. And I'm hosting for Terry this week, and we are going to go right to the phones. Brad Peterson with Brad Peterson Outdoors. Brad, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How about yourself, Austin? Oh, doing excellent. Uh, certainly there's some fantastic angling and, and hunting opportunities out there for everybody. I know we went and got out and took advantage of a, a great late last day of the first split duck hunt. Uh, you guys have some great stuff going on up there up north. Um, but what are you guys seeing as far as uh, some fishing conditions up there? Certainly been a little bit warm. I know you got out on some metro ice, but I can't imagine that's happening much at the moment. No, right now the ice conditions that we had about four or five hours of rain. Uh, what was that on Thursday? And that just that put us set us completely back. Our big bodies of water, like Boyd, doesn't hardly have any ice on it whatsoever. And the little ponds, they're just they're right there at the edge, but we need some cold weather. And what I'm seeing for a forecast coming up next week may, you know, be enough to get us iced over and just barely fishable to where everyone's still going to want to be really careful when they head out there. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more, particularly on the the Metro ice there and front range ice, but we're right on the edge at least, you know, a lot of these ponds have ice on, on them. And, uh, you know, I saw some reports from up at least at St. Vrain, where there's ice on on those lakes, obviously not safe yet, but with a little bit of a cold snap, we might just uh, start the building process. Yeah, I mean, if you're really chomping at the bit to to get out ice fishing, we've got the opportunities up in the hills. Don't push the front range. You know, head up there, and uh, you can definitely get on. You know, some of the red feathers have some ice. Uh, North Michigan, I've heard Chambers is fishing real well if you want to walk in there. Absolutely. And so that's, that's all a great opportunity, but I tell you what, if we don't have safe ice, the other thing to look at is next Saturday at Shields, they're having their giant ice fest, which is going to be, you know, it's great seminars, sales, giveaways. Uh, myself and Bernie Key for both doing seminars and giving away fishing trips to people that show up there. So if you're really, you know, if you've got that bug, but you don't want to travel to the mountains, you know, coming up to Shields next Saturday between 10 and 4 for some, you know, a great time, talk ice fishing and, and kind of fill up and, and stock up the rest of your box. Speaking of talking about fishing, uh, the Sportsman's Expo is coming up on January 9th through the 12th, and you're going to be giving some uh, presentations up there, aren't you? I am. I'm uh, I'm giving, I've got one each day, so I'm going to be part of the walleye panel on Saturday. Friday, I'm not sure if Terry did this because he thought that I could kind of hold my own or if I drew the short straw and wasn't aware of it, but Friday I'm going to be talking rigging and jigging right after Jimmy Houston <laughs> at, at the tank. And um, Thursday, be at the uh, expert corner talking about uh, uh, monofloral and braid, kind of the difference between your lines and you know best knot, how to use them and where I like to use the different types of line that's out there. And Sunday is my favorite seminar of them all. I'm doing the kids fishing seminar. We give away fishing rods. This is at the tank. It's let's get kids started. And we kind of go through the basics of 
you know, how to get kids out there fishing. And we give advice to both the kids and parents or anyone who's new to fishing, how to get out there and really make it a fun experience and get people started the right way. Absolutely. You know, uh, Shakespeare really came through once again, and, and Marsh Thompson is is the rep for Pure Fishing who owns Shakespeare, and we definitely want to thank him, and, and we'll be giving those rods away at actually my booth down there at the Discount Fishing Tackle booth, but come bring bring your kids down. Um, we'll give away some tickets uh, for those at the, the demo tank, I believe, right after your presentation, correct? Yeah, that's what we're going to do. Yep. And then I'm also working on getting some other people to donate some products. Perfect. That um, to where we're going to try to make sure that every kid that attends walks away with some sort of thing. It may not be a fishing rod. It may be a, a little jig, a, a package of, of plastic, something like that. But we want to make sure that every kid that attends gets something. Absolutely. Well, this is a perfect time to, to give, a, a wear a, a give away a, a pack of tickets. So a the first person to text EXPO to 303-713-1043 can get themselves a two-pack of tickets to the Sportsman's Expo. So that will be good right there. You guys go ahead and get after that. But uh, the Sportsman's Expo certainly is, is a, a great time uh, to get out and, and, and really learn about Colorado fishing and, and find some, some different outfitters and stuff to go with. But you also, speaking of outfitters, guide uh, waterfowl hunting along with fishing. And as I mentioned before, we had a fantastic hunt uh, just earlier this last week. I do. I guide uh, mainly duck hunts along the – I've got uh, property up near Platteville and then also out by Marino. I talked to one of my farmer friends out by Marino. And, you know, we're in the split there, but was just keeping track of how the birds look. He said there's there's decent number of ducks out there, but he said the geese from Marino East are just unbelievable. Uh, this guy's lived out there his whole life and said he's seeing as many birds as he ever has. So, uh, yeah. you know, it's an opportunity for people to get out, chase some geese, but uh, duck season opens up again December 19th and runs through the end of January. Should be some great hunting along the river bottom or warm water sloughs. So if people have questions or they want to get out on a trip, you know, they're more than welcome to contact me. You can find me on Facebook at Brad Peterson Outdoors, or they could give me a call at uh, 303-829-3998. And, you know, I'm happy to help people, you know, steer them in the right direction if they don't want to book a trip or get them out on a trip. And, you know, hopefully uh, we'll find time to squeeze in another hunt before the end of the season, too. Absolutely. And, you know, the setup that you have up there in Platteville really is awesome where you've got the river right there and, and an ice eater or multiple ice eaters in a pond uh, to create some open water. But even people that don't have really good private leases like that can get out and, and have great hunting as well. And, I mean, there's lots of opportunities out on the South Platte. And really right now there's there's probably the most that there ever has been out there as far as state wildlife areas are concerned. Yeah, that's the third or the, well, third season when I was growing up. Now the second season, but the, this late season is the time that's really geared towards making public land hunting great. The oh, state yeah. has done a phenomenal job getting tons of properties from about Brush East along the river. I'd say at least all, close to fifty percent of that river bottom has public access to it, and the key to that is you need to find some off current areas and then also um someplace that you can hide you know a lot of times there's good water but you aren't able to conceal yourself yep. near that area so those are the two things i look at and then the third thing is if you're able to hunt on you know plan your hunt pick a day where the weather's going to be bad either windy 
or a snowstorm will improve your success out there. The CPW did a big study out there and found that weather conditions was the number one factor to successful hunting on the river on the public ground. Absolutely. And I mean, certainly going hunting is is better than, than sitting at home and not hunting on an off day if that's just your, your one day that you can go. But if you can, any type of, of bird hunting, really, whether it's upland hunting or if it's uh, waterfowl hunting in particular, if you can pick that day that's cold and nasty and windy and cloudy and overcast and maybe all of the above, those are the days that those ducks really maybe lose some intelligence, I guess you could say, and, and are much more willing to, to come in versus flying really, really high on those bluebird days. Well, and that's the thing. They lose their intelligence, but they also start flying lower. Oh, yeah. And so instead of them needing to make three passes around and check everything up to, to get into shooting range, you know, they may just slip right in, you know, just glide in. They're flying, you know, treetop high. So it takes a lot less fooling to get them in. Maybe they can't see quite as well. So those are great. But like you say, even the the good days, and one thing people out on the river, you know, the nice weather days, the thing that people overlook at the river, a lot of times the best shooting out there is between 10 and 2, middle of the day. Yep. You're not going to have those big waves like you do right, like we had right before sunrise that morning where birds were just coming in in waves. But what you're going to get is you're going to get steady flocks, maybe every half hour. But those birds in the middle of the day, they're looking for some place to go down with some other buddies. So a few decoys, and you're going to be able to convince those birds a lot easier. And this time of year, really, where we're talking about this split as well, if you know a waterfowl hunter is itching to, to go out and, and, and be out in, in the field, scouting this time of year can certainly help as we move toward the the second split and maybe even get an opportunity at a pheasant or a quail down on the river. But uh, if you can go in and find some of those off-current areas like you mentioned and and maybe even get an area where you can you know figure out where to set a layout blind or or figure out where these birds are, are, are sitting with some of your you know your binoculars or spotting scopes that can really help your success uh, particularly as we get closer to the second split it definitely can the one thing to keep an eye out on a few of those properties on the the south Platte right now because deer uh, late rifle deer seasons yep. going on some of them are closed on the weekends to public access so just pull up the CPW website or pick up a brochure. It's all listed right in there in your waterfowl brochure. You don't want to get in trouble just scouting by accident. So take a look at that. But I completely agree with you. The Being able to do that, your homework and figuring out where those places are and figuring out how to get to them so that, uh, you know, a lot of times you have to cross a ditch or do something else so you don't have a straight route from the parking lot there. It's going to save you a lot of time in the dark at, you know, three, four o'clock in the morning when you're taking your decoys out. If you know that you have to go right to cross this little ditch and then you hang a left about 200 yards and you found your spot, it uh, it makes it a whole lot easier and you're going to be set up in time to capitalize on those birds, you know, right at shooting time. Yeah, because we mentioned that that later time in the day definitely can be effective. But in reality, as a duck hunter, that early morning sometimes can make or break. So being able to be there on time, and the other thing with that is is being respectful to other hunters. If you're coming in late and, and other hunters are set up in an area, that can certainly be something that is very irritating to someone who did put in their time and, and you might ruin their hunt. So trying to avoid that is always a, a critical deal. Yeah, and one other tip I'd give people that I often do if I'm not super familiar with an area that I'm going into for the first time 
is I always leave a few decoys in my bag. I don't set them all out, maybe eight or 10 decoys. Just in case you set the, the decoys out and you realize, you know what, those birds really want to be down 100 yards. Yep. Well, you can take those eight or 10 decoys real quick and boogie down that, that 80 yards down there and put the decoys right where the birds want to be and your success is going to come up rather than having to pick up the your decoys right in the prime time and then move them. So oftentimes I will I will leave just a handful of decoys in my bag and if the birds want someplace else, I'm ready to make that move and capitalize on that prime time. Absolutely. Well, once again, uh, Brad Peterson guides waterfowl hunting and, and guides fishing along the front range and on the Eastern Plains. And if you're interested in, if someone's interested in booking a, a trip with you, Brad, uh, why don't you throw, go ahead and give your phone number again and, and how to get a hold of you. Yeah, uh, you can give me a call or shoot me a text at 303-829-3998. Or you can look me up on Facebook at Brad Peterson Outdoors. Brad, I certainly appreciate it. All right. Thanks a lot, Austin. Thank you. Once again, this is just really a, a great time to, to get out and, and have some good success in all different forms. Uh, you know, the upland hunting in Colorado has been really good this year. And the waterfowl hunting, if you're a goose hunter, this is a great time to, to get out. And, and the duck split is coming up as well. And hopefully so we'll coincide that with some of the cold temperatures. And once we can get some of these lakes and ponds completely frozen out on the eastern plains, that's when that river really, really does turn on. So we'll, we'll be looking forward to that. Uh, but when we come back... We're going to be talking with Nate Zelensky, and he is up at the St. Paul Ice Fishing Expo. So we're going to hear about all kinds of great new products from Nate. And once again, you are listening to Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan.